Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, August 10th. We begin with the continuing conversation of fluoridation in Calgary's water supply. With a lot of misinformation surrounding the process, we hear details on a new information campaign surrounding fluoride in water from Alberta Health Services. Next, we look at the issue of mental health and the impact the pandemic has had on children and youth. We get the results of a new global survey compiled by the University of Calgary. Then we dive into the complex issue of cybersecurity in Canada. We discuss the problem with David Swan, director of the Centre for Strategic Cyberspace and International Studies. We ask David where the greatest threats come from and what we can do to safeguard ourselves from cyber attacks. And finally, it's our regular weekly segment aimed at helping you reach your goals. This time out, our motivational spotlight shines the light on Joanne Nuiduk registered nurse and owner of Fabulous Health and Fabulous at 50, who shares three helpful tips to spark inspiration. It's been in, it's been out. Calgarians have had fluoride in and out of their water several times over the last couple of decades. It's a question voters in the city will be asked again this October in this civic election. In hopes voters can make an informed decision, the province has launched an information campaign around fluoridation. Joining us now is Dr. Rafael Figueiredo, the Provincial Dental Public Health Officer with Alberta Health Services. Good morning to you, Dr. Figueiredo. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Well, let's talk about this. You know, outside looking in, we hear that the main reason to fluoridate the water is to improve dental health. How much of a difference can it make? Can we quantify it? Oh, definitely. Uh, community water fluoridation is the most cost-effective preventive program against tooth decay using a population health approach strategy. And the prevention rate for, uh, against tooth decay can range between 20 to 40 percent, depends on the age group of the population that you consider, you know, and the risk of that population uh, for tooth decay. So it's a significant uh, increase and improvement on the oral health status of the population. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Go ahead. ahead. Well, I wanted to ask you because there's the benefit. You've got some real solid numbers, some solid research. And I know we're focusing on our dental health, but is there danger otherwise, if we're consuming this water, is there uh, any health danger to ingesting fluoridated water? Uh, What what would the negative be? Yeah, no, there is not. Since uh, we use the recommended level of the fluoride in the water, that is recommended by Health Canada uh, at 0.7%. PPM, parts per million, at that concentration, Health Canada, Alberta Health Services, and more than 90 other health organizations confirm that water fluoridated to the optimal level poses no risk to human health, and they endorse water fluoridation as a safe measure. All right, so let's talk about, you mentioned, you know, there's different ages. Who exactly, can we put an age bracket on who benefits from fluoride in the water and how or will this really benefit all ages to a certain extent yes it's definitely all all ages of the 
individuals on the population benefit from water fluoridation. You know, since children to elderly, seniors, people, the great benefit of water fluoridation is the low amount of fluoride that is in constant contact of their teeth. Uh, and that, where is the preventive measure against tooth decay, uh, works. Is one of the reasons, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, we're looking at this again, and one of the reasons, uh, you've got this incredible data behind it, the fact that we've had, you know, what, what, a, what a great study. We've had a, a full population of the city of Calgary with fluoride in the water supply and without fluoride in the water supply. Is that the ultimate test from what we have seen in the past uh, 20 years? Yes, that is a very important measure. Not, and specifically for Calgarians, because it's a unique study that has been done. Not many studies like that have been done across the world. And then we had uh, a study that was done in 2014, where uh, the fluoridate in Calgary, the fluoridation in Calgary had stopped after in 2011. So we had a short-term impact of the the fluoride, and uh, that we already observed the impact on the population in Calgary compared with the population in Edmonton where they never stopped to fluoridate the water. And right now, we are just, this year, was a couple of weeks ago, was released the, another study, that is the long impact uh, effect of the cessation of the community water fluoridation in Calgary. So that was, the study was done in children between uh, seven to eight years old. So that new release of this study, uh, the students that were investigated, they were never being exposed to community water fluoridation for those who were living in Calgary for that time. And that shows the effect and the impact of not to have a fluoridation in the, in the water. Dr. Figueredo, like everything these days, there's lots and there's plenty of websites and plenty of information out there uh, available for people to get their hands on. Unfortunately, a lot of misinformation when it comes to fluoridation, uh, fluoridation in a water supply. So where can we go to get reliable information? Yeah, and that is the reason that we will put that campaign together to best inform Calgarians about uh, any information concerning the water fluoridation. And uh, with that campaign, we're running a social media campaign. And uh, if they go to the Alberta Health Services on Twitter or Facebook, they are able to, to, to join a conversation or also we have a web page with an interactive tool where the population can ask questions and those questions will be responded uh, from a medical expert using the most scientific evidence available to support all the, the claims. And again, Calgarians will have that opportunity come October in the referendum with this civic election. But in the meantime, Time to get informed. So thanks for informing us this morning, Dr. Figueredo. We appreciate it. You are very welcome. That's Dr. Rafael Figueredo, Provincial Dental Public Health Officer with Alberta Health Services. More online at albertahealthservices.ca.
Experts around the world have been telling us the mental health of children and teens have taken a beating during the pandemic. A new study from the University of Calgary, which pooled together 29 studies from around the world, shows depression and anxiety symptoms have doubled in children and adolescents when compared with pre-pandemic times. With more, we're joined by Dr. Nicole Racine, postdoctoral associate, clinical psychologist, and lead author of the paper. Good morning to you, Dr. Racine. Hi, Andy. Nice to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time with us. Let's talk about the scope of this study mentioned around the world. How many children were involved in teens in this study? Yeah, so this is um, a a meta-analysis, a pooling of studies that have been conducted across the world. And uh, within this study, we found uh, we were including kids and teens, over 80,000 of them. Um, So this is looking at, um, across the globe, a pooled effect of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic on the mental health of kids and teens. So certainly isolating when you have over 80,000 kids, this is not a a just here um, phenomenon, is it? No, not at all. Certainly uh, we have seen the impact of the pandemic on the mental health of kids and teens across the globe. And some of the first studies that came out were ones that were, um, you know, in China and in Europe. And now um, there continue to be studies coming out, but uh, they're all kind of pointing in the same direction, showing that especially um, as the pandemic went on with the restrictions that we were seeing an impact on the mental health of kids and teens. Well, it's been uh, tough for all kids. It's been even tougher on teens and in particular young girls. Why is that, Dr. Racine? Yeah, so that, as, and that was one of the findings of our study and is, is really important and interesting. So we found that as uh, studies that included older children, older youth, that um, the prevalence rates of anxiety and depression were higher. And, you know, we think this is because uh, teens are... Um, Peers are really important to to teens, and they especially really missed out, I think, on a lot of social opportunities, a lot of milestones. The restrictions were especially challenging for them. And with regards to girls, we know that socially, uh, girls tend to rely a little bit more on their their peers and to um, engage a little bit more in that and get the support that they need from their friends and peers. And so not to be able to do that as much, I think, uh, has led to some of the findings that we found. What What do you see in terms of, you know, the bounce back of these kids as the pandemic wanes, or is this something that we're going to see and, and deal with for quite some time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, what we found actually in our study was as time went on um, into the pandemic, we all, we found greater um, greater prevalences. And so what this is telling us is that actually things were, uh, getting a little bit worse over time. Now, there is some research showing that as restrictions ease, um, mental distress is also reducing. And so we saw drops in mental distress, for example, um, last summer uh, when some of the restrictions were eased. And so certainly, you know, I think I think that youth and teens are resilient and that for many, uh, we will see a recovery. Uh, but I think there will also be a group uh, for whom perhaps that's not the case. And I think those are the those are the families that we need to be supporting the most. Just before we let you go, as far as parents in our role, we're hearing your words and we might have teens or some older children at home. Is there anything we can do now to, to kind of help them uh, bridge that gap? Yeah, so, I, you know, we always say, I think as much as possible, um, having opportunities with your kids and teens to check in on how they're doing, their mental health being, you know, available. Those can be conversations in the car, or conversations before bed. They don't have to be necessarily carved out times, but times where your kids or teens might open up and, 
to provide them with support where they need it. And then, you know, we know things like um, maintaining routines, um, making sure, you know, they can still have social interactions with friends, um, you know, being outside and physical activity are all things for kids and parents alike that are helpful from a mental health perspective. Thanks uh, for your time this morning, Dr. Racine. We appreciate it. Uh, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You bet. That's Dr. Nicole Racine, postdoctoral associate, clinical psychologist, and lead author of the paper. More online at ucalgary.ca. You know, it's strange days when Russia is crying foul over hackers, but that's what's happening right now. David Swan is a director with the Center for Strategic Cyberspace and International Studies, and he publishes a weekly industry newsletter about cyber threats affecting both big and small. Good morning to you, David. Good morning. Thank you for taking the time with us. Now, you say in your latest report, it's been a rough week for the Russians, who are among the worst when it comes to cyber attacks on the West. What's happening with the Russians? Three things. First, they got hacked. Not as big as solar winds, but somebody, or China, hammered them hard. Mm-hmm. Second, they, um, a cybersecurity company called Risk IQ exposed one of their big espionage networks and told everybody how to break it. And the third one is the Russians went to the UN to say, here's a draft of cybercrime legislation, and even the International Red Cross laughed at them. So you go to the UN and you're getting international attention. You're not being taken seriously. What does this mean in the grand scheme of things? Does it seem like, you know, I, you know, (laughs) sticks and stones. I can throw the sticks and stones at you, but you can't throw them. It seems like the most bizarre thing I've ever heard of. Full marks. That's exactly how it feels to me as well. Um, the, The observer did say that the Russian draft appeared to be well thought out and was comprehensive, but he also said in the next press that he didn't think anyone was going to take it seriously. Okay, so we've heard about, you know, the the, the big corporations, be it banks, hey, but one of the largest uh, meat suppliers in the world and uh, different government agencies. So I think, you know, as a citizen, you might think these are huge, um, you know, undertakings. It couldn't affect me as an individual. Should we be concerned as individuals, anybody who uses a computer, David? Well, actually, uh, in... So far in 2021, the cost of being ransomed has gone up 500%. And there are many ransomware gangs that are now targeting smaller and smaller people because they understand many of us don't want to call the police. Many of us don't want to get officially involved. Many of us just want to get our box back, get our computer game back, get whatever back. So we don't want to take official action. And that means you're a participating victim. Let's. Uh, we've, we've got. We're short on time, but I want to ask you this: How do we stack up as a nation when it comes to our cybersecurity and our plan in place, or is there a strong plan in place to protect Canadians? We have awful cybersecurity. It's just there's no really no effective legislation at provincial or federal levels. Um, we have no organization that's oriented to protect the public or the corporate sector. Uh, last time I checked, Alberta had two people working in, in a division that sort of tried to do that. But two people is ridiculous. And very limited policing. Only uh, big city police forces have cyber bureaus. The RCMP does have a fraud section. But um, no, generally speaking, if you're in a, a town smaller than Calgary, you're out of luck. Wow. It's incredible. It's scary. And I think it's the future. Thank you so much for your time, David. Oh, most welcome.
That is David Swan, director with the Center for Strategic Cyberspace and International Studies. You can find him online at cybersecurityintelligence.com. We love the chance to kick off your week with some inspiration and motivation to get you set for the week ahead and beyond. <laughs> this morning, we're joined by Joanne Nuadek, registered nurse and owner of Fabulous Health and Fabulous at 50. Good morning to you, Joanne. Good morning, Andy. Thank you for taking the time and thanks for your patience. Glad to have you 24 hours later, but we still have you, so we appreciate it. You know, it's all meant to be. Yeah, you ever had a Monday? Um, So (laughs) I I want to kick off with this. You ask your clients, uh, you know, you're a registered nurse and, of course, uh, with the Fabulous Health and Fabulous at 50, you ask your clients what they're dialed into. What do you mean by that? Well, it... A lot of how we function in the world or how healthy we are has to do with where is our mind focused on. And so I wanted to use the term, what are you dialed into? Because we're on a radio station here. (laughs) So when we take that type of analogy is when we're listening to a radio station, we dial into that radio station. We consciously go to that radio station, but it doesn't mean all the other ones aren't an option. Mm. They're there. You can't hear them, you can't see them, and if you didn't, if you forgot about them, you wouldn't even know they're there, but they still are. So that's the same with our thoughts. When people get caught, and I know myself, I've been caught there where it's all the negative thoughts, you can get to the positive ones, but you have to consciously go there, and you have to remember that they can be there. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah. So once once we do that, we can actually do practices on a regular basis to shift our thinking into a more positive or supportive um, thought wave. Okay, okay. So that that makes complete sense. There's other things out there, but it's what you're dialed into, what you're focused. Uh, you know, it's not it's not you know writing off that there's not an outside world, but you're lasered focused. Something else you yeah. do is you teach people how to move from stressed, wired, and tired to relaxed calm and energized can you talk about that for a second absolutely well again is we can consciously decide uh to take part in different practices i mean it's bantered about there with meditation and yoga but there's lots of different practices that take our bodies into a relaxed state and then we actually have more energy relaxed is when our bodies can heal we have more energy we're happier when we're stressed and we're tired and kind of that wired, we may think we have energy, but it's more like on the hyper side, and it's really draining and not healthy for us. It's interesting you brought that up. Uh, You know, when we talk about bringing things down a notch to being relaxed and calm and energized, because today we kicked the program off noting that it's International Lazy Day. And I brought the question up because this is the day they encourage people to be lazy and have naps and, and do things for themselves. I'm wondering, from your profession and from what you've seen out there, I had mentioned at the beginning of the program that perhaps there's a stigma attached when someone's taking me time. There's a stigma attached when we're not following a rigid schedule. Do you think that's the case in our society? Absolutely. And part of my my three tips um, address that, that really taking time in self-care is uh, it's survival. If we don't care for ourselves, think about it. If you don't care for yourself, how can you actually um, be on your best energy to care for other people? Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to be sharing these three tips from a 21 Tips to Energize Your Life booklet that you've compiled. 
And yeah. you're gonna have, you're gonna have to explain them because they're a little off the pe- beaten path. Or you might yeah. say, can that make much of a difference? So we're gonna start with number one, which is have a kitchen dance party. Tell us about that. Yeah. So very quickly, honestly, I don't care where you dance, but if you were to take, again, you're listening to the radio. Now, I know it's talk radio, but turn on a song that you love and just get moving to it. Get dancing to it. It gets your blood flowing. It gets your energy up. It makes you happy. If you have kids in the house, then invite them. I promise you, they may roll their eyebrows, but they will love this. It becomes a regular activity in your household. So you're getting everybody involved. Okay, good. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. a refocus, kind of that. Yeah. It, it, Movement gets our energy energy going. And when you're dancing, usually you're dancing because you're happier. So it, it changes your uh, happiness set point. Wow. Okay. Let's move to number two. You have a, pick a positive word for each day. Yep. Again, if you're dialed in on something, so if you take a positive word today, let's just everybody pick um, laughter. Mm-hmm. Take notice when laughter shows up in your life today or if it doesn't then purposely bring it in you take a positive word each day and gradually you will retrain your brain it's like doing a new operating system for your computer Mm -hmm. you can't run new programs if you're running on an old operating system all right so there's the first two have a kitchen dance party pick a positive word each day number three is fill your cup what do we mean by that Fill your cup first. So that's exactly what you and I were talking about just a moment ago, that um, self-care is not the oh, same okay. as being selfish. It's about you need your your cup to be full, your engine. So think about filling, if your car is going to take you on a trip, it's not selfish to put the gasoline in it. It has to, it has to be full to be able to serve and support others as well. All right, Joanne, time waits for no one. And uh, we can find your website at www.fabulousat50.com. As somebody who might be on that closer to 50 train, meaning I'm, yep. raising, I'm raising my hand, you can't see it. Um, but I'm wondering, what do you mean by fabulous at 50? Some people, you know, when we were little, 50 was ancient. Uh, how do we live our best lives at, at the age of 50 and beyond? I know we've got about a minute and a half left, but how do we do exactly. that? Exactly. Well, uh, it's one of those things. When I say fabulous at 50, people tend to stand up straighter if they're close to that age, especially, <laughs> and either think, uh, I agree, I want this part of my life to be amazing, or I want me some of that. And we have just so much wisdom to share with each other in the world. Why not declare this is the age that from now on, your life is absolutely fabulous. Okay, so yeah, so I guess it's, you know, making that declaration and kind of owning it versus saying, ugh, 50. Exactly. Got a little pain in my back. I'm walking a little more slowly. I'm wondering, uh, Joanne, if uh, we got to take a a quick break for traffic, can you hang on with us for two more minutes? Absolutely. That'd be great. Thank you so much. Continue our conversation with Joanne Neweduck, registered nurse and owner of Fabulous Health and Fabulous at 50 online fabulous at 50.com and yeah we've we're just going to stray a bit from the straight up motivational monday on a tuesday joanne and talk a little bit more about fabulous at 50 because i think a lot of our listeners yeah they might be getting closer to that age i'm wondering and i'm looking at your website there's a lot of pictures of the the women on it uh which i mean uh, you happen to be a female um but i'm wondering do you think that women take aging better do you think that women take care of themselves better as they get older than men is i don't want to make into a battle of the sexes but oh interesting um you know i think it some women do okay i'll put it this way i think women tend to gravitate or are willing to go into that 
group setting more often than men. I have been involved with other organizations and ones that like mine is specifically for the women, although we do have some events and one coming up in the fall that will include men. But this other this other organization, it was for men and women, but yet it was 75% women that were reaching out and wanting to learn more and shift how they were aging. Well, you know, they say time and time again, and I'm wondering if you can either dispel this or uh, put a caveat or break it down for us when they say age is just a number. And it's interesting to me because I'm going through a, a kind of a renaissance. I'm trying to take better care of myself. It, it, and yep. it really, it wasn't like, hey, the calendar says 50s coming up. It was just about time. I've got four kids and I got a, a schedule that gets me up at three in the morning. And I've decided to, you know, uh, be more physically active and uh, talking with trainers in the world of that, that physical world. They keep saying that, no, 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 you can still create muscle. You can still be fitter than you've ever been. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so you so you think that there's a transfer not just physical but also learning new things? Absolutely, and that's what we know. So a word out there is, you know, neuroplasticity, our brains. There was a time, I'm sure, when we were kids that you just thought, oh, there goes a brain cell, right? Like it's like you had this and that's what was in your brain and, and that was all. But that's not the case. We know now that if we keep feeding and when I say feeding our beings, I'm talking about what we breathe, what we drink, what we eat, what we think, what we take into ourselves, and what we process can have an impact. And literally, we can learn to the day we die. Wow. And we can still, it might become that we have to do it in different ways, especially like physical. I heard a stat, I know this is totally going off, but mm-hmm. it was quite alarming that an lit. So I don't quote an exact number, a disproportionate number of people that go into supportive care in Uh some capacity is simply because they can't get on and off the toilet. Wow. Like they don't have the muscle power. So if we start working at it now, I've witnessed people. Now, I'm not a trainer, but I certainly witness and encourage people that have made a determination that I'm going to do what I can to. I'm not talking stress exercise and pumping it out an hour a day, but doing concentrated, proper exercises to keep our, our core strong and our legs strong and, and for balance. So less trips. Yeah. Like we can, we're seeing that more and more, but I think what we need to know is, yes, can you take it up when you're 80 or more? Absolutely. But the mm. time to do it is earlier. And yeah. especially, and that's why 50 becomes a time. It's just, a number, but it becomes a time when people really take stock of their lives mm-hmm. and and start to make some changes. And that's what I'm there to help encourage. Well, you know the saying, Joanne, the best time to start is yesterday. The next best time is today. So we absolutely, yeah, we appreciate absolutely. your time this morning, and the, thank you for joining us for for a couple of segments. So much. Thank you, Andy. This has been a delight. Good stuff. That is Joanne Newedick, registered nurse and owner of Fabulous Health and Fabulous at Fifty. Our Motivational Monday on a Tuesday guest, fabulousat50.com is where you can find it. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.